0: Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest on resilience is health coach, trainer, and yoga teacher, Andrea Trank. As Andrea states, a lot of people don't practice resilience when things are going well, because it's not until things go bad, because our definition of resilience is the ability to bounce back. But the definition of resilience in heart math terms is to prepare for, react to, and shift in the face of stress. And so how do we prepare for anything? You practice it on a daily basis, You don't wait until you get sick.
1: My story is I was a journalist when I was very young, but I didn't realize that I was taking on all the bad news that I was covering, whether it be environmental catastrophes or shootings or plane crashes or somebody having um, brain surgery. I went home and all of these things affected me emotionally and I didn't really understand it at the time, but what ended up happening is I ended up getting more and more anxiety, more gut issues. Um, Eventually I had to leave the field because I was basically having too many panic attacks. And so I didn't really know why I wasn't able to do the the job that I love without being so sensitive. So then I went on and I became a school teacher. I thought, oh, this is a career where I'm just doing good and I'll be happy and I won't take these problems home. And I took all the children's problems home all the time. So I was great at the classroom. I won a Golden Apple Award. The kids loved me. They hung out with me. Every summer at the end of the school year, I got sick. And I got sick for weeks, like where I couldn't get out of bed. I'm like, what's going on again? I mean, I want to teach. I want to be out there. And then eventually my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, an autoimmune disease. And I just realized I had to leave the classroom. I had to leave everything and I had to heal myself. And I had to figure out what was going on with me and how to heal. So I became a yoga teacher. I became a health coach. I became a heart math practitioner and trainer and through all of these trainings and certifications and learnings I was healing myself and then I realized all along the part that I was missing which was the ability to self-regulate day in and day out to get my nervous system back to safe and social because I had a nervous system wired for fight and flight and I didn't realize it but that was my wiring And because of that, I could not come down off the day. And so I, you know, at night it would affect me in my sleep. Eventually it built up in my system. But once I learned how to re-regulate on a day-to-day basis with practices, I was able to go back and do the work that I love to do in the world and with a lot of compassion. So my story is inspiring and I offer a lot of compassion when I work with individuals and groups.
0: Yeah. So, Andrea, I really loved how you began that article in in the sense of explaining resilience as as a practice and as practice as simple as brushing your teeth or other good habits. Can you expound a little bit on that? Yes. A lot of people don't practice
1: resilience when things are going well, (laughs) right? Because it's not until things go bad, because our definition of resilience is the ability to bounce back. But the definition of resilience in heart math terms is to prepare for, react to, and shift in the face of stress. And so how do you prepare for anything? You practice it on a daily basis. How do you get to be a good driver? You practice driving. How do you take care of your health? You brush your teeth every day. You drink your water every day. You don't wait till you get sick. And I'm trying to help people do that because nobody advised me to do that. And so, yeah, I'm so glad I was able to develop it later on, but boy, would it have been helpful to have these skills before everything fell apart.
0: Yeah. And speaking of falling apart, you mentioned in there about how when COVID hit, you felt like you were prepared to adapt to all that. What in your experience and your learnings prepared you well for it? Well, that's, you know,
1: that's really interesting because everybody was so shocked by, oh my gosh, we have to just spend time by ourselves. We have to all of a sudden be aware of our health. And it's like, no, we should always be aware of our health. <laughs> so I had been taking these steps to build up my immune system for years. So I was no longer afraid. I felt like, okay, okay. If I get COVID, and not that I was doing anything stupid, I wore my mask, I got vaccinated, but I wasn't walking around afraid of everything because I knew that I had taken care of my body. My internal environment was very strong. Emotionally and mentally, because I had the skills to re-regulate my nervous system on a day-to-day practice, I also knew that you can't control what goes on out there. All you can control is what goes on here and here. And so if I practice those skills, then I knew, okay, I have to shift. I have to shift to what was in the past to what's in the present. And what's in the present is, can be an opportunity. So I did turn it into an opportunity. I shifted my entire business online. I used to run around teaching yoga at many, many places and giving talks at many, many places. And now I do this all online. And guess what? I found out it was better for my health, (laughs) (laughs) that this worked better for my nervous system. And so there is a silver lining, a gift in literally everything that happens to us. If we can shift out of that fear state, the fear is what makes us sick more than anything else and keeps us from healing.
0: I love the visual in the article when you mentioned that learning resiliency skills, is like keeping your internal battery charged. What a great way to allow ourselves to feel like we're full or we're empty. Uh, Can you uh, give us some examples of how that has shown up in your own life?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, I want to give credit to HeartMath for that. HeartMath uses that term. We have batteries inside of ourselves and we don't recognize that we're draining our batteries partly with negative thoughts or with fears or worries. And so if you can catch those things, and I used to do that to myself all the time. I was one of these people who had these circular thoughts: worry, worry, worry. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if? Oh my gosh, I did this wrong. Oh, what who's upset at me? It would just go around and around, and I'd be on that hamster wheel. Now I'll recognize it. So there's you know you recognize those thoughts immediately and you acknowledge them okay i'm feeling this way and then you investigate and then you nourish and nurture yourself the acronym is RAIN recognize acknowledge investigate nourish and nurture and that comes from tara brock um, who is a great um, meditation teacher and things like that but it's really it's something that you can do in any moment. And what I'd say is now, you know, so my days aren't perfect. you know. <laughs> I mean, I'll wake up and my computer is not working before I have to do a live yoga class. So in the past, I would go into this total freak out and everything would get worse and worse because when you get into that mode, you are activating your amygdala which is your emotional memory brain, your primitive brain, you're not activating your higher cortical thinking brain. And that's where all your creative ideas come from. So in order to activate that, you have to shift your emotions and shift your breathing, get yourself into a state where now you're sinking up you're syncing everything up inside your system and creative ideas and intuition will come. So I can come up with so many better solutions to whatever happens to me during the day, because I know how to
0: shift. You also mentioned as well, this idea of only teaching and coaching from an authentic place. Andrea, how do you keep your spirit alive in that sense? Because all of us want to achieve authenticity, but it's very hard on a day-to-day basis to do that.
1: Well, I think one of the reasons people relate to me so much is I am so real. I mean, I've been there, I've done it. I just ate a, I ate a, chocolate bar this morning (laughs) but it's huge chocolate it only has four ingredients doesn't have cane sugar it's coconut sugar in it so i am not perfect i am definitely not perfect and i'm willing to admit that and i'm willing to walk the journey with the person not say that i have all the answers because i don't but that's where the compassion comes in i listen and i and I really try to ask the questions to get people to start listening to what's going on inside. So I don't know, I'm, you know, it's funny because I say I was wired for stress, but I'm also wired to be optimistic. And um, and I develop that optimism by making choices every day that feed my soul. So I can teach people All sorts of things. But if you don't practice these things every day, they're not going to work. So I have to practice my heart math skills every day. I have to do my yoga. Even if it's for five minutes every day, I have to get out in nature. I have to eat good foods. I have to nourish myself. And if I make a mistake, it's not really a mistake. It's a chocolate bar with four ingredients. And I also have to say to myself, okay, I ate a chocolate bar. I haven't ruined my life. I don't start shaming myself or blaming or getting into this really negative thought pattern of, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I've ruined it. Well, forget it, I'm not able to do it.
0: (laughs) Many of us face rejection from a day-to-day basis. And I love the way you articulated rejection. For you, it was a way to see a different path and or to grow. how you mentioned your first yoga teacher was a great storyteller. How does the use of stories and rejection in your life fostered new avenues of expression for you?
1: Well, for one thing, and this is, I don't know who said this phrase, but boy, it has stuck with me. Rejection is divine redirection. Rejection is divine redirection. And when I think of rejection that way, rejection means I'm not supposed to be doing that for whatever reason, and I may not even be aware of the reason I'm not supposed to be doing it. But if I can think of it that way, then I can see what door is opening and where I'm supposed to be. I used to push and push for things I thought I was supposed to do. And so I would get frustrated if something didn't happen. And then often when I got the thing that I thought I wanted, I didn't want it at all. It wasn't good for me. So now I'm a little more willing to let the universe guide me. Now, when it comes, your second part of the question was about storytelling. Okay. Story well, we, we forget things when people just tell us things, but we don't forget the stories. And so my yoga teacher, everything she said was in a story and everything stayed with me. And so when I want children or teachers or other people to really remember something, I tell stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. So we wanted to come back to the purpose of today's conversation. Andrea, how do you define resilience?
1: Resilience, excuse me, is the ability to prepare for, adapt, and shift in the face of stress. So it's more than bouncing back. You know which i think would be pretty much the typical um definition of resilience yeah
0: so i also asked a very interesting question in there M- most people told me it was uh which is the definition between resilience and courage do you see them as one and the same or do you see them as different
1: well i think you have to have courage in order to bounce back i really do so i think Courage handles that part of the definition, that it is involved in taking the steps necessary when you are beaten down for whatever reason. But um, I don't think it's the whole part of resilience because preparation, you know, we don't often see preparing for something as necessarily courageous. Preparation to me is just smart. <laughs> and I don't think you can e- You even have to be a super car- courageous person to know if I prepare for something, I'm going to be much better able to handle it. So I think courage works with that part of the definition of resilience that's bouncing back, but not necessarily the entire definition of resilience.
0: I asked a question also. as as well about a person that comes to mind, and you were so beautiful in mentioning your dad, who's 92. What has he shown you or taught you in 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 very simple ways?
1: Well, you know, my dad is such an interesting fellow because um, he gets up every day with a purpose. And I know that's what's keeping him alive this long because as he tells me all the time, I refuse to eat anything green, Andrea. I do not like the sun (laughs) and all of your helpful lifestyle hints, I'm not going to follow, but (laughs) he's got a great attitude and he gets up every day with a purpose. So it's actually a pretty big joke with us that, you know, it's a joke because to me, it shows of all the lifestyle things you can do. If you have a purpose in your life that can sometimes overcome some of the other things you don't do well i mean you do see people out there who live long lives who smoke you do see people out there who live long lives who drink wine every day but these people have this belief that they're here for a reason they get up and they do something every day and so um that's to me you know and and he's outlasted so many other people and he's got a great sense of humor so i hope i answered that question
0: you did there was a part in the article, too, about this idea of, has someone ever told you something's impossible? And I loved what you said about, that's the story of my life. Everybody told me I couldn't
1: do it. I mean, my first uh, journalism teacher in college told me, don't go into journalism, you can't write. He's like, thanks. <laughs> and, and you know what it did? It made me spend more time learning to write. Then someone else said, uh, I, I mean, it was on and on. Oh, you're going to become a school teacher at age 40. Are you nuts? No, I'm going to go back to school and get two more degrees and become a school teacher and go in the classroom. You're going to become a jewelry designer and a yoga teacher in your 50s and 60s and a health coach. Of course, <laughs> you know, especially if you tell me I can't do it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of setbacks, you know, you mentioned in your early thirties, you went through a very serious medical condition. How has that allowed you to see life in different ways and different avenues? you mentioned you do so much, or you are interested in so many things? How's that shaped your now, view of purpose in general?
1: When I was laying in bed, I was diagnosed with a really scary disease. Just listen to this word, gastroparesis, Ooh. stomach paralysis. I looked on the internet and that's pretty early for the internet and you saw people with feeding tubes. And, you know, of course my um, anxiety mind kicked in and said, okay, this is the end of my life. I'm gonna have feeding tubes in me. But um, I went to um, a doctor and they put me on a medicine that caused chemical depression, chemically induced depression. So I got off the medicine, I'm laying there and I'm going, no, I'm not just gonna lay here. So I got myself out of bed and I attended my first yoga class and I was able to do five minutes of yoga. And then I laid in the back of the room and listened to this lady's voice. For a year, I did not eat any normal food. I had smoothies, but I packed it with protein. I packed it with all sorts of greens and I, everything was like eating baby food. For an entire year, I ate what would be considered homemade baby food. And slowly but surely my body started to heal. And I'm not sure if the diagnosis was wrong in the first place, but it made me realize that number one, I was not gonna go give up my power to a a doctor giving me a diagnosis. And number two, that our bodies were meant to heal. And it was just a matter of me discovering what I had to do. So that first year, 10 minutes of yoga, smoothies every day, and I joined a crochet circle with like women who are 50 years older than me. And I'm sitting there crocheting and getting myself back together. And by the next year I was making jewelry. So jewelry making became part of my healing path. I was doing yoga four or five days a week. I started expanding my repertoire of food. I started adding supplements. So I just I just went on this healing journey. And then I realized 20 years now later, what a gift. If I had not been given that gift of sickness, that whole part of my life would have never opened up. And so, you know, in some ways, I felt like I was a canary in a coal mine. And the canaries in the coal mines are the ones that get sick first or, you know, we're the, we're the warning um, label. Or the warning for other people and I was warning about autoimmune disease and the effect of toxics and the effect of stress 20, 30 years ago. And now I can speak from experience because I see so many people now who are getting sick from stress or sick from the toxics in our environment. And you know, still so many people sticking their head in the sand. And I won't do that. I know, you know, what it will do to us, but I also know that we are meant to heal.
0: Yeah. And speaking of healing, a question in there about how you cultivate resilience. And you mentioned a singular word, trauma, this idea that, that you have forgiveness and compassion for all the things that you've had to endure and have gone through.
1: Yeah. You know, traumas are not actually, I've come to realize they're not actually the events, but it's our. Our ability to process and digest the events we've gone through. And so when we don't process and digest the events, it will stay within us and it's going to eventually make us sick. So if we can learn to compassionately, gently, kindly, with curiosity, look at the traumas we faced in our life and see them through the eyes of our nervous system. And if our nervous system reacted a certain way, we can even like pat ourselves in mm-hmm. back and say, okay, I get it. You were not able to deal with that at that time, but maybe we can now, maybe we do have the strength now, or maybe we can look at it differently. We can even see it as part of a beautiful path, the tapestry of our lives. So that's how I look at traumas these days, but it's not easy. And I'm very gentle with the people I work with when we are working with trauma as well.
0: So Andrea, what are your five steps someone can take to become more resilient? Okay,
1: practice heart brain coherence skills every day. And I don't mind if you want um, a very simple technique and I'm gonna point the camera down a little bit so you can see my heart. You don't have to put your hands on your heart but it is helpful to have the tactile knowledge of where you're directing your breath. So you direct your breath to your heart center and you slow your breathing down, maybe a little slower than normal. And believe it or not, doing a minute or two of this actually starts sending signals up to the brain. It entrains the the brain waves, your blood pressure, your hormonal system, your endocrine system with your heart rate. And it improves over time your heart rate variability, which is your ability to shift your uh, nervous system when you need it. Because you do need to have the cortisol pumping. You do need to get up and go, but then you need to be able to very gently shift back down when you want to eat. When you want to sleep when you want to rest and so this simple practice and there's lots more tools is something that you can practice anywhere any day you can have your hands on the steering wheel and somebody cuts you off you just slow down start breathing into your heart center very slowly maybe even to five or six on the inhale and the exhale that's called heart focused breathing that's one of the simplest steps but there's a lot more <laughs> Number two, become aware of your triggers. So just don't go through, I mean, stop. Every time something triggers you, check in. Like, why was I triggered by that? What happened there? Let's acknowledge that I've been triggered by something and let's re-regulate my nervous system again through some heart-focused breathing. So just don't let them, you know, just don't go through life unaware of what's triggering you. Number three is, um, being able to shift your emotions, um, through again, heart mass skills. So once I know my trigger, if my trigger is causing me to be angry and I don't want to be angry the rest of the day, then I know I can shift. What can I shift to? Maybe I can't shift to being happy, right? But at least maybe I can shift to being neutral. So, whatever was angering me, I acknowledge it. And then I'll say, I'm just going to shift a little into neutrality so I don't affect my own health. That's the reason to do it. Lifestyle, all the lifestyle things matter. Getting out in nature, doing whatever sort of mindfulness practice you like, whether it's Tai Chi, Qigong, <laughs> yoga, anything that's a mindfulness practice. Even all the forms of karate and martial arts are mindfulness practices. Walking, but not walking with those earphones in and talking on the phone, but a walking meditation where you're looking around and noticing what's around you in nature. Lots of little things you can do around your home. Take your shoes off before you come in to not bring all the the toxic stuff you stepped on outside. Shift over to glass containers from plastic containers. Buy organic if you can afford to. Make sure your water is clean and pure. All those lifestyle things. Eat real food. (laughs) I don't care if you're vegan, paleo, or what. Eat real food. (laughs) And as much as possible, eat local and in season. Sleep. You got to sleep. That's when your body does a lot of the restoration. Um... And then, you know, practicing all of these things is a daily practice. It's, you know, you don't just do it when you get sick or when you're upset, you do it every day, just like brushing your teeth, just like anything else that you practice and make it fun. So it doesn't feel like a chore. I love doing these practices, but I also know the benefit of them. I'm a much healthier person when I do the practices when I forget, like, Savia, you've forgotten to do some of your exercise recently, what happened? Your body talked to you, your neck started hurting. So like, that's your, that's the reminder. Listen to those reminders too.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. So I would love to transition to what I call brainstorming. So I asked a curious question, uh, in the article about if you could create a movement, what would that be? And yours was so beautiful. It was really about connecting to mother earth. So maybe you and I could just talk for just a couple of minutes about, how we can move that needle forward because it sounds like a lofty um, idea, right? Connecting to Mother Earth, but how can we really do it? I mean, especially for individuals who live in city environments where (laughs) you're lucky if you find some trees and flowers. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you know, we can connect to Mother Earth in every action we take. If, If every decision we make, especially as a consumer, is supportive of the Earth, So for instance, what you buy, making sure what you buy, you know, you understand the cradle to grave sustainability of the products you buy, supporting those organizations. I don't support a lot of political organizations, but I give every month to environmental organizations, particularly those that are on the ground educating us. Educating us, um, the Environmental Working Group puts out a a dirty dozen and a clean green. So those are the fruits and the vegetables that are most sprayed and least sprayed. So let's say you can't afford to buy organic everything, then at least buy the organic ones that are the dirty dozen. You know those are the most sprayed. All of our little actions move the needle. And when we move the needle, when we purchase things, companies respond. I mean, we've seen that out there. We can't do the big things they can, but we can make decisions. And you'll feel good about the decisions and your health will be better. Getting outside, even if you just touch a tree somewhere, it doesn't matter if you're in a forest but just touch a tree or look at a tree. Look up at the sky, watch the birds. When you connect in that way, you know, listen to the wind. Put a wind chime outside wherever you are on your little patio and listen to the wind inside that wind chime. That will connect you to nature. Um, Just educate yourself because there's so many little decisions we make that have either positive or negative effect. How about when we're doing our errands, can we consolidate our errands rather than, oh, I'm gonna to go to the store today in a car. If you're in a city, you're probably not contributing as much to to the uh, the global issues involving gas gasoline use. But for me, when I drive, I do a circuit and I do all my errands in one circuit so that I know that I'm not driving here and there all the time. All these little things that you can do. Reuse things, right? Yeah. Buy yeah. things from consignment stores. Yeah. You know, don't throw. you know one of the things that drives me crazy is when people put things out at their yard to have the trash take away. Hmm. Go to the Salvation Army and donate it. You know give it to somebody else. All these kind of little things we can do make a difference.
0: Yeah, I think for me, um, what's coming to mind, and I totally 100% agree with you, is this idea of how can technology help us with that? Like if there was a way to quantify, like there's all these tools, right? You know, that measure sleep and measures your intakes. But what if there was an app or, or something where you can check in with yourself or where you're not sort of living up to that particular expectation or where you're falling short or where you did well and how you can sort of add to that? I think that would be really interesting. So like
1: journaling about what, you know, what you did for, what you did for mother earth today, right? Yeah.
0: Well, it's like this idea of like grounding, people don't know what it is. It's literally like going into any type of field or grass or a forest and just like bare feet and taking it. But then people are like, well, how do I know that's doing any benefit for me? You don't really know. But if there was a way to maybe quantify that, or maybe create a challenge off of that or gamification off of that, I think might allow individuals to feel like they're getting something out of it. Right. They're actually something quantifiable out of that.
1: HeartMath is developing a way of, um, assessing trees, um, ability to energetically connect with people. And they have, they're just doing this big tree project and they're looking for what they're calling citizen scientists. Anybody who wants to put monitors on a tree nearby and test the coherence oh, wow. of how the trees interact with people. So yes, there, there are many ways. And they have magnometers that are measuring the, um, the electromagnetic um, waves that come from the earth. And when we get ourselves into coherence, our number matches the Earth's number. And when we're out of coherence, and when the world's out of co- coherence, like when nine one one happened, you, the readings from the Earth magnometer were completely different than the natural number that we're supposed wow. to be at. So there, there is some really interesting research going on on how we are so connected with the Earth. So it's out there.
0: Wonderful. Well, Andrea Trank, thank you so much. Please tell my audience where they can connect with you and my followers and and listeners and viewers can learn more about what your work is.
1: Well, I'm on YouTube as Andrea Trank. I have a lot of videos for free on everything from yoga practices to heart math practices and my um, everything else social media wise has something to do with heaven lane. I live on heaven lane. Uh (laughs) So you know if you're looking for me just look up heaven lane and you'll find me and i really do live in heaven on earth so i'm pretty
0: lucky to live here wonderful well thank you so much andrea i really appreciate it beautiful conversation namaste, namaste. i really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of the human resolve if you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well Please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It, 35 Cancer Survivors Share Their Journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.